Well, today I want to spend just a little bit of time looking at some of the news stories from this week, give you a few observations, but then turn our attention to something even more important. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I welcome you to the weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. I had some trouble sleeping the other night. I'm having, oh, some issues where I get a little bit of restless leg syndrome going on and and I can't fall asleep and I'm up and down two and three times in the night. And the other night I got up and it was around 1.30 in the morning and I stayed up until around three. And, and all I did during that time was a little bit of reading, a little quiet time sitting in a chair and thinking about everything that is going on around us. All the strangeness we see in our world today. And I'm not saying that we haven't had strangeness, weirdness, violence, and difficult times in the past. We have. But there are some things that are occurring today some things that people are believing today, holding on to today, the likes of which make no sense. Now, this week, we've talked uh, earlier this week on the program about the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, winding up now. All the elites from around the world gathered in that small community to decide how to, quote, fix the planet. And what they really mean by fix the planet is how they're going to control the planet. I'm thankful that some of the news media that haven't said much about the World Economic Forum in recent years have suddenly taken an interest. And that's probably a good thing. The folks at the World Economic Forum want to have their message given in an echo chamber of like-minded people. They don't want their agenda out among the general public. They assume that the average person that works a job, has a life, is not going to spend a whole lot of time on the internet looking up the World Economic Forum. And it's true. Most don't. If you had asked the average American, oh, let's say seven, eight, nine years ago, ever heard of the World Economic Forum? And I would venture to say the vast majority would go, the what? Never heard of it. Or if you had said, ever heard of a guy by the name of Klaus Schwab? You would have gotten a blank stare. This organization has been around since the 1970s. Globalists, the wealthy, and the elite have been supporting this endeavor for all of these years, literally a half century. I think the World Economic Forum may have overstepped their bounds with their idea of the Remember this. Remember one thing. While many of the elitists love them, the UN thinks the world of them, the 
World Health Organization adores them, and certain governments like China support them, they really hadn't had that much influence in the United States. But when the pandemic hit, the World Economic Forum really started to push their agenda. The idea that the world's in peril, we can control a disease, we need to rethink everything, we need a complete fourth industrial revolution. The wealthy elites of this world truly believe they should be, well, pretty much running everything. Remember John Kerry, good old John F. Kerry. He ran for president in 2004 unsuccessfully. He has been a senator from Massachusetts and was a senator for many, many years. And he became one of the elites rather by accident. See, he married a widow who was a multimillionaire by the name of uh, Therese Hines. And she was the widow of the founder of the Heinz Food Corporation. By the way, he had been a Republican senator, believe it or not. And, and so, yeah, a little gold digging, maybe. And so suddenly John carries a millionaire with yachts, multiple homes, and a private jet. And he is the one that has been chosen by the Biden administration to be, you know, the the czar of climate change. So, of course, John F. Kerry is in Davos, and he got there on his private jet. And something he said this week, I found rather, well, telling. Listen to John F. Kerry in his own words. Allegedly wise adult human beings, CEOs, some of them, United States senators, some of them, a whole bunch of folks, want to ignore science and want to ignore mathematics and want to ignore physics and somehow cannot bring themselves to do what we need to do. And when you stop and think about it, it's pretty extraordinary that we select group of human beings because of whatever touched us at some point in our lives are able to sit in a room and come together and um, actually talk about saving the planet. I mean, it's so almost extraterrestrial to think about, quote, saving the planet. And if you said that to most people, most people, they think you're just a crazy tree-hugging, lefty, liberal, you know, do-gooder, whatever. And, and there's no relationship. But really, that's where we are. Now, that's just a small part of what he had to say in his remarks. But there's a lot that he said you need to begin to analyze, to tear apart, to understand the mindset of those that are in Davos, Switzerland, or have been in Davos this past week. Number one, he talks about how can all these CEOs and and so-called smart people ignore the mathematics and the science? Well, it's very easy. There's a lot of junk science and fake math. You people in this global crisis climate change group have been giving us lie after lie after lie, failed prediction after failed prediction for 60 years. 
And so suddenly now we're supposed to believe everything you say is true. We got it right this time. John F. Carey really believes in this stuff or he's learned how to cash in on this stuff like Al Gore did. Now, I want to just briefly talk about good old Al Gore. I can remember, and I'm going to go back to the 1980s. In the 1980s, Al Gore, son of Al Gore Sr., was a United States senator from the great state of Tennessee. And if you know the history of the South and the Democrat Party, Democrats have pretty much, or were back in the day, in control of everything in the South. I mean, it was a one-party system after the Civil War. It was a party that, in some parts, embraced racism and then also talked about being for the, you know, the underdog. And so it made sense. And a lot of good people, they were kind of born into a Democrat family, went to Ebenezer or so-and-so Baptist church, you know, Third Creek Baptist, whatever. They were just Democrats. They voted for the Democrat sheriff. They, that's what they did. I can remember coming into Toccoa, Georgia, 1975, and, and getting to know the people there when I went to work for a radio station in that town. Got to know the mayor, the police chief, the sheriff. All wonderful, God-fearing individuals, and they were Democrats because it's a one-party rule. Nobody thought twice about it. But as the Democrat Party began to shift away into some very strange things, well, one by one, people left that party. I mean, that's what the shift is all about. The Democrats now today embrace some of the weirdest, strangest dividing things known to mankind. Climate change, formerly known as global warming, formerly known as the Great Ice Age. You know, it keeps changing over the past 55, 60 years because they can't get it right. These predictions, I, I gave you a long list yesterday of failed predictions. There are tons of them out there. All these things that should have happened by now that didn't. So you get a guy like Al Gore, Democrat from Tennessee. Back in the 1980s, Al Gore, who had gone and flunked out of a theological school prior to becoming a U.S. senator, he was pro-life if you didn't know it. He was very much pro-life in the 1980s. He knew which side and how his bread was buttered by the people in the state of Tennessee. And so he represented those values until he was tapped to become the vice president of the United States in 1992 by Bill Clinton. Then suddenly his pro-life stance went right out the window totally gone and suddenly he was pro-baby killing pro-choice late-term abortion he anything that had to do with it he just for political expediency and getting ahead he sacrificed children that's how he got ahead 
he pushed for more infant sacrifice because his conscience is seared. He doesn't care. And then like many, he gets into worshiping the creation and stops worshiping the creator. He gets deep into global warming. That's all we heard from him from 1992 all the way until like 2004 or five or six or whatever they started calling it climate change instead of global warming because it wasn't warming. Al Gore figured out as vice president of the United States He put together one of the greatest scams on the face of the earth. And when he failed in his presidential bid in 2000, he just moved into his new career of being, you know, a climate alarmist and a climate expert. And as I shared with you yesterday, prediction after prediction after prediction fell flat. They have never come to pass. Yet we're supposed to believe he's got it right now. And Al Gore also figured ways of making himself hundreds of millions of dollars selling carbon credits and a bunch of other scams and a movie that all the predictions failed. John F. Carey learned a lot from Al Gore, how to sell your soul, cash in on climate change, fly around in a private jet, live a great life, skiing in Aspen, Martha's Vineyard, the Cape, the yacht, all of it. He gets to enjoy those things while you eat bugs and you move into the 15-minute community where you can't leave except so many days a year. We have to save the planet. And so as I listen to him ramble on, and then he talks about how we certain people, listen exactly to what he said. And when you stop and think about it, it's pretty extraordinary that we select group of human beings because of whatever touched us at some point in our lives are able to sit in a room and come together and um, actually talk about saving the planet. Now, there's a bit of arrogance in that, and I I want want you to clearly see it and understand this. This runs in the mindsets of many in Davos. John Kerry considers himself this elite for whatever reason, whatever touched us in our lives, to put us in this room to discuss saving the planet. What touched him was a widow's millions of dollars and suddenly moving from upper middle class to the wealthy in one fast marriage being a United States senator to connect him politically. Yet there's nothing in his younger years, his formative years, that gives him any reason for being where he is today as a climate czar. You know, he he wasn't the great Vietnam veteran he claims to be, and he threw his, you know, medals over the some fence and all this other nonsense. And we find out that in his time that he was a bit of a eh, coward. He got called out. That's why he didn't win the election of 2004. 
The guy's been a phony and a fraud all his life. He's been a politician, knew how to say the right things at the right time to the right people to get the right, get the right position. And then he marries into money. Lots of it. And his widow just allows him to do as he pleases. And he's like another Al Gore. He's latched his financial star, in John F. Kerry's case, on his wife's millions. And then to become a climate czar so he can play an elbow among the rich and famous and and the world leaders. I don't even know if, if, if he really believes in any of the stuff that he talks about. I mean, if he did, he wouldn't be flying around in a private jet all the time. I mean, that's where he goes. I mean, and he wouldn't have a massive yacht. He wouldn't have any of these toys of the wealthy if he really believed he was killing the planet. He's nothing but a duplicitous phony. Always has been a duplicitous phony his entire life. And now he's held out as our savior to the planet. He and Al Gore, with all their failed predictions... And whatever faith background that John Kerry may have had as a Roman Catholic, whatever faith background Al Gore may have had, and in the case of Al Gore, it's just a little bit uh, complicated at times. His father was a Southern Baptist. His mother belonged to what is called the Church of Christ, not the United Church of Christ, the Church of Christ. Pretty common in parts of the South. And Al Gore was raised pretty much in an evangelical setting by today's standards and ended up going to an Episcopal school as a kid. I'm not sure if that may be where some of the roots of some of his weirdness may come from, to be quite honest. And then after he and his wife, by the way, his wife was an Episcopalian, Tipper, his ex-wife now. And they got married at the uh, National Cathedral in D.C. And she and he became, you know, his wife was an Episcopalian and then she became allegedly Baptist after the wedding. And, and so there are times that Al Gore would talk about his faith, but he also talks about his belief in this planet. And, and he's always had this line in him, do I worship the planet or do I worship the creator? And this is one of those lines that are being crossed increasingly in violation of Romans chapter 1. And so these people that have love of money and power and they they decide that they are the keepers of this planet. They know better than anybody else. And we should be in charge. And everybody else should be in their little huts eating bugs. Klaus Schwab has said in his own words, from his own mouth, you will own nothing and be happy. I remember watching a video from the World Economic Forum website where this young millennial type is giving a lecture at the World Economic Forum a few years back, indicating why would anybody want to own anything? Who wants the responsibility of ownership anyway? Wouldn't you rather rent your phone, rent your appliances, rent everything, rent your clothing? 
After all, when you get tired of it, trade it in for something else. Why buy anything? Just own nothing. Get what you need. Take what you need as you need it. And that's how you should live. And if you don't own the phone, if you don't own the refrigerator, if you don't own the car, it can be taken away. You know, one of the thing, one of the problems that I have with Al Gore and many others, and, and I was going to save this for next week, I'm going to give you like a little bit of a preview of something I do want to talk about in the near future. And I might offend somebody when I do this, and I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to. Within the Roman Catholic Church, there is an order that scares me. Now, I'm not going to discuss Roman Catholic theology or any of it with any of you. I'm not, I've got, it's not something I need to spend time with at all. My concern is an order within the Roman Catholic Church called the Jesuits. They've been around for a long time and they're pretty spooky. They're pretty weird. They're pretty nefarious. And right now the Pope of the Roman Catholic Church is the first Jesuit they've ever had. And this guy also seems to be a planet worshiper in so much of the things that he says and he does. And when you look at some of the things that Al Gore talked about 10, 20, and 30 years ago, he was a follower of so many of these Jesuits, you know, paleontologists and others. And, and followed their religious beliefs on morality in the age of science and the power of politics. And he, Al Gore, as, as well as many others, they subjugate their faith and their religion, whatever that religion now may be, to this pseudoscience. Al Gore... John Kerry, Joe Biden, pretty much anybody left of center are buying into all kinds of ideologies and strangeness that have zero basis in fact. They keep pushing the failed climate change narrative with its list of hundreds of failed predictions. But somehow they know it's going to happen in 2050 if we don't do something by 2030 or 2035. It doesn't matter that they've had a 100% record of failure. They got it right now. The United Na- Look, these, the United Nations loves climate change because they can then get their goal of a one world government because we cannot have the United States doing well. Funny, as somebody pointed out, there was a debate, and and I'm going to have to find it maybe for one day next week, a few minutes of this debate. Pretty intelligent comedian went to Oxford University to join their debating society for a day. And he was actually very persuasive to what normally would be a very hostile audience in a leftist-type university. And, and as everybody was talking about all the things they have to do for climate change, he pointed out a fact that is a fact. It's not a hidden fact. It's out there if you're willing to look for it. That the United Kingdom, 
is only a less than 2% contributor to, quote, climate change. With all its emissions, with all its people and manufacturing and transportation, it represents less than 2% of all the climate change emissions. And you will find out that countries like the United States and others are also incredibly low on the grand scheme of things. And the countries that will never abide by any of this are the ones that are the massive polluters, if that is really the case of climate change. So Great Britain could just, as he said, sink into the ocean and cease to exist and there be no change on climate change. Your efforts are worthless. The truth is, I don't even believe half the stuff they've claimed because half the stuff that I've said, most of what they've said over the years ends up not being true anyway. And so that's one of the reasons that we, we have to rethink all of what we're doing. This radio program, our missions, our lives, our ministries, our whatever God is calling us to do. The climate fraudulent fools met in Davos to pat each other on the back and try to find ways to control the planet because they believe that they, by some extraterrestrial force, are the ones that are supposed to gather in Davos with all their money and their 1,040 private jets to tell us how we can save the planet, that all the carbon emissions are destroying. How duplicitous, how foolish do they take us? Apparently, when you look at the elections in the United States, half the people are buying into the nonsense. Because they've been indoctrinated and they can't think for themselves. Now, I told you all of this about climate change. I really didn't really plan to get into that as long as I did, but it was there. So it needs to be discussed. Then you have all the nonsense of transgenderism, where you have mothers having to sue schools because you have schools trying to transgender or transition 11-year-olds without parental permission. And the mother's the evil person for even daring to question this school. The schools think they own your children, and if they decide that your boy should be a girl, or a girl should be a boy, it should be up to them to decide. And somehow taxpayers need to fork up the millions of dollars necessary for these schools to, in essence, butcher your child. Gee, butchering children, sacrificing children, destroying children sounds kind of satanic to me. Does it sound satanic to you? Transgenderism? This extreme LGBTQ mentality has been growing like a cancer for the past two to three decades. Transgenderism just kind of shot right on the scene. And all of a sudden, it's a big thing. And we need millions and millions of dollars in research and surgery money. You know, I've said it before. There's something... Satan has gotten to the hearts and minds of all kinds of people, 
people in politics, people in science, people even in medicine. Where they no longer can see the truth, no longer will ever see the truth. They are blinded to the truth, I think, forever. I think they have condemned themselves. I think that they, they're believing lies. And the Bible warns about it. And increasingly, those that are in power in governments are caving into this, this clown class of people. You have people in other parts of the world. And, and just because it's happening, it'll happen eventually in America. It always does. People facing prison time for condemning or, or questioning transgenderism. There's a person facing three years in prison because they don't believe in same-sex marriage. They believe in biblical marriage. A man leaves his mother and father and a woman leaves her home and the two then shall be one flesh and they go on together with their own life. Didn't say two men or two women. The Bible was clear. And they didn't forget something. Believe me, they didn't forget anything. The intention of what marriage is, is there. And so marriage is challenged. Sexuality is challenged. Gender is challenged. We're killing the planet. As I shared yesterday and, and you know, as I've been mentioning on the program in this, this segment, this worshiping of the earth and here lies the problem. What are we as Christians going to do about it? I don't know how many times I have to tell you this. It's not going to get better. It is not going to be fixed at the ballot box. We're not going to elect somebody, doesn't matter who, and, and you know, hey, the big, big red wave here in the United States. It was a little tiny trickle, and we barely have the House, and the guy in charge of the House has got a failed voting record in terms of being a conservative. So what do we really have? One-third of, we have one-half of one-third of the government. We're not going to make any radical changes. Life goes on. And now when things go wrong, well, the president can blame the opposition party that has the House of Representatives. It's going to be the same political nonsense. We are never going to fix the United States and its problems at the ballot box. It's never going to happen. It will happen in the church. It will happen in the hearts of men being changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. It will happen when Christians finally wake up for the first time and say, you know something, we are in this world, but we are not of this world. Al Gore is of this world now, it's, it's clear. John Kerry is of this world and worships this world, it's clear. Joe Biden reading a story about all this money and money laundering going on and the fact that nobody's, they're looking the other way is amazing. I guess if you're a senator for a long enough time and a vice president, you're impervious to being under the scrutiny of the laws of this nation. Why would his son rent the house for $49,000 or almost 50000 a month? 
using Chinese money when at the time the value of rent for a house like that would have been less than 10% of that value. Why was he paying 10 times too much for that house? Money laundering? And why do Joe Biden's taxes, which you can't find anymore, not showing all that income? Oh, well, that's just a, hey, they just forgot. You have a crook, a thief, and a liar, and a phony Catholic pretending that he's the president of the United States believing in all the things the Bible condemns and abhors. And probably believing that some Jesuit can throw a little holy water on him when he dies and pushes him into heaven. I don't think I want to take a risk like that, Joe. I want to know that I know that I know. Now, like I say, I just wanted to spend a little bit of time in this first segment, and we're about done in this first segment, talking about some of the stories we shared with you this week. But I really need to share with you, and I'm going to keep the time open in the next segment, what we need to be doing next. If we cannot fix it at the ballot box, if we know this world is tumbling toward a destiny with judgment, if we know that difficult times are coming, whether this be the great tribulation or a time of intense tribulation like the world has seen numerous times, I don't know. I can't tell you. But I can prepare you. We learned a lot from the pandemic, how churches can be shut down for a, quote, good reason. Like a pandemic or a scamdemic, a plandemic. Call it whatever you want. There was no need to do any of what they did. And they continue to lie about it to this day. Funny, I'll just share this one thought. Let me take you back to, I think, September of this year. Before the midterm elections. And Joe Biden on 60 Minutes. And here's what he had to say about the pandemic then. Mr. President, first Detroit auto show in three years. Yeah. Is the pandemic over? The pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, it's, but the pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. And so I think it's changing. And I think this is a perfect example of it. So either he lied then or he is lying now. I mean, if the pandemic is over, why does the Justice Department want to fight to get mask mandates back on airliners and buses and trains? Why did they extend the COVID emergency until April again? Remember, you cannot have an emergency use authorized vaccine unless you have an emergency. If the emergency ends, so does the vaccines, because none of the companies with the approved vaccines will ever give you the approved vaccine because then you can sue them. Trust me on that one. A lot of lying going on. And they use the pandemic to do all kinds of social engineering. Kids online in a virtual world. They tried that out to see how school would work in the metaverse. It didn't. 
They tried to shut down churches because they're super spreaders. It didn't work. They left the liquor stores and the cannabis stores open, but not the churches. Gretchen Whitmer tried to defeat the virus by allowing you to go to Home Depot, Lowe's, and other home improvement stores. You just couldn't buy gardening supplies because I guess gardening supplies and seeds spread the virus. All kinds of weirdness and stupidity. All right, I'm, I'm going to come back on the other side. We're going to change direction. It's time to move on from this sin-distorted world and be ready to live in our own community. I'm serious. I'm not talking about some kind of a compound somewhere. We're going to be right in plain sight where we are. But we're going to learn how to depend upon other Christians and stop depending upon the world. We're going to learn how to define and identify apostate churches, churches that are not true, and what we can do to combat it or get around it. And that's coming up in just a moment. If you believe in the work we're doing here at Truth to Ponder, would you consider financial support? It is very much needed. You can help us by mailing a check made payable to Ancient Word Radio. Ancient Word Radio. Mailing address is Post Office Box 510. Post Office Box 510. The city is Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia, and the zip code 24319. I'll give you that address again in just a moment. You can also support us from the website truththenumber2ponder.com truththenumber2ponder.com and there's a tab for support. And with that support tab, you'll be sent to Give, Send, Go, which is a Christian organization, secure, and it works if you prefer that route. Or once again, the mailing address, Post Office Box 510, Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia, zip code 24319. Make the check payable to Ancient Word Radio, and we will be right back. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. The harder the test, coming up. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. You're going through some hard times, some testing times, some hard tests, and you know you have a hard time hanging in. You don't think you have the strength for it? Well, let me share something. When you're in, in, in the fifth grade, you're given a, a, a test that's harder than when you were in first grade. It's fitting because you know more. You've been given more. So you're accountable for more. You know, if you don't know, then you're not going to be held more accountable. But if you do know more, you're more accountable. The first grader, they have easier tests. The, the third grader, harder. And the fifth grader, harder than that. Too much is given, much is required. So the more you've been given, the more you have to be required. So if you're finding yourself going through a tough time, a tough test, be encouraged. Because the hardness of the test is a manifestation of the level you're at and the degree of the revelation. It's a good thing. You have harder tests, you're at a higher level. God believes you can handle it because it says he won't give you any test you can't handle with him. The harder the test, 
the greater the blessing, the greater the graduation, the higher the place you're going to get when you pass the test. So listen, dig in your heels, my friend. Sharpen your pencils. Burn the midnight oil. And embrace the challenge given you. Pass that test because it's a sign you're in the big leagues. Want more? Ask for Miracles in Sodom on CD. Now, what if you could receive daily vitamins guaranteed to strengthen your spiritual walk with God? A six-month supply for free? You can. Sapphire's daily spiritual vitamins for a victorious walk with God and updates on Israel and prophecy and the incredible Mystery of the Temple Doors on CD as free gifts to you. How do you get it all free? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed, but call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, you can actually spread salvation around the world for very little through shortwave radio from the arctic circle to israel it's amazing it's like sending a billion tracks around the earth we do it every week you can be part now just call 1-800-YESHUA-1 that's y-e-s-h-u-a-1 you can write me direct the nice jewish boy box 1111 lodi l-o-d-i new jersey 07644 it's a nice jewish boy it's box 1111 lodi new jersey 07644 well till next time this is jonathan khan saying Pass that test, my friend. Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you in Messiah. Yeshua Tenu, our salvation. This is Truth to Ponder. With Bob Beerman. And I welcome you back to part two of our weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Beerman. Well, I spent a good portion of the first segment looking at some of the news stories that we talked about this past week. I'm glad that even some of the conservative media picked up on a few of the things we've been talking about for over two years. Amazing that suddenly they've seen the light. Things that they thought were a conspiracy theory, they're now realizing was true after all. I've worked hard on this program to bring you truth. I've worked hard to be accurate. I am not a big news organization. I don't have the resources of a Newsmax, Fox News, or even a Gateway Pundit or Western Journal. It's just me. One of the hardest things I have to do each day is to decide, do I spend how much time learning the news of the day because so many of you want and need it, and also how much time I should spend in God's Word because that's something you need even more than the news of the day. I've been thinking about several things over the past several weeks. And as my health is getting stronger and if God is preserving me, I don't know. But I'm trusting Him. I'm trusting Him to sustain me in all that I have ahead in this life. Whether I've got a day or a decade, I don't know. doesn't matter. I'll keep serving Him anyway. And so... I need to find that balance between the news stories. Doing the news stories is not all that hard. I 
I'll be honest, I pay for certain news sources so I can legitimately have them to give to you. And there are places that I have found that are trustworthy, some that are terrible. I'm glad that I didn't do a lot of the stories that I could have done from some of the sources that I used to used to have in front of me. They ended up not being trustworthy. But do I want to be a newsman? I did that 50 years ago, early in my radio career. It was fun for a time, but I don't want to be a newsman. I want to be faithful to my calling. My job is to share the good news of the gospel more than the bad news of the world. We need to share both. I need to let you know the direction, but... I've got to find a way to get more news put together in a shorter amount of time so I can spend more time in God's word and then sharing with you the solutions that we have. We as Christians need to band together to care one for another. And one of the things that is becoming increasingly troubling, and and the pandemic just made it more (laughs) noticeable. If you go back to, I'm going to go back momentarily, just for a second here, 2019. I'm getting ready for a church conference in early 2020 that never happened. And the idea was, how do we grow churches? How do we do this? You know, the, the typical stuff that you get together and do. And I was looking forward to it. And then, of course, the pandemic hit and everything went, you know, frozen for how long? And then I began to realize as the pandemic started to ease a bit in many areas, how many people chose not to come back to church, but they go back to Walmart, they go back to bowling, they go back to the restaurants, they go back everywhere but the church. They must have not had a great faith to begin with. Then we look at some of the churches. Some of the more apostate churches, the ones that have rejected a good chunk of the gospel, they were running around with signs saying, we welcome vaccinated people here. (laughs) You couldn't come to that church unless you're vaccinated. They don't trust God for anything. I don't even think they believe that God is sovereign. And so we have a world full of apostate churches and a world full of entertainment churches, a world full of churches that are cliques and family operated. Where is the church? Where is the gathering of the saints? You know, I'm, I'm, I've been all over the United States and I'm watching in horror in some places where I go past all these churches and I realize there's this, the vo- this God's spirit within me says these are apostate churches. I don't know who these people are. The Bible says, we can find this in 2 Peter chapter 2. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And though the covetous shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you 
whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Lot of false prophets out there. Lot of false prophets. Matter of fact, also a little bit earlier in Second Peter, this verse, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. You know, the church is being pushed back into the catacombs, so to, so to speak. I have no doubt in my mind about that. And, and lately I've been given these little, for lack of a better word, I don't want to really use this word, but I will, give it a, like a vision or a dream or a, a remembrance of a time where I, I can remember high school, senior in high school, visiting a place called Love and Down near Ithaca, New York where I really felt the Spirit of God. The music was kind of contemporary, but still extremely Christ-centered. The Word of God was preached. People's lives were being changed. People were being delivered from drugs, alcohol, disease. I saw the power of God manifested. I didn't see a whole lot of denominational arguing or Ours is better than yours. I didn't see a nation at that time where the vast majority of people had no religious affiliation and the vast majority of them are non-believers in true Christianity. And that little taste that I got 50 some odd years ago still lingers in my heart to this day. I can remember other believers that I spent time with in my younger years. And God laid and planted a seed back then for such a time as this. Have I always been the perfect Christian? Of course not. Have I been consumed by the things of the world? As many of you, you bet. But God got a hold of me and reminded me of who I am in his calling. And it was time to put all that aside and, and to make that decision that I serve, I serve a risen Savior. I serve my Lord, my King Jesus. And I'm a call to be an ordained servant of his word and a preacher. And I know maybe you live in a place where it's kind of hard to find a church. I guarantee there are places in this country that you can find small communities and to be hard-pressed to be to be comfortable with a bunch of believers because they may not be fully believers. I get it. And over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to share with you, it'll be on the website in about a week or two, my plan for how we are going to stay connected when the next event, whatever that event may be, comes around. I'm not going to leave you hanging We're going to find a way to keep the church going. And so in my mind, I'm going back to a time many, many years ago to a place like Eleven in Ithaca, New York and other places like at Pinecrest. I can remember so many. And how in those places, as humble as they were, we were able to, to worship our wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ in spirit and 
and in truth.
of several home groups that meet around the United States where people get together because where they happen to live, the community in which they are in, trying to find a church of true believers is increasingly difficult. Now, that may not be everywhere, but I can assure you it is in many places. There are people that live way out in rural areas where a church is quite a distance. How do we keep ourselves connected? I'm working on it. I believe between radio and video platforms that I'm currently experimenting with right now, there's a lot we can do. There's a little building not far from here that would make a nice little chapel. A couple of cameras, a few properly done microphones, a handful of people to help make the congregation and then extend it to you. We have all these opportunities. As I said, the one thing, I need to be less of a newsman and more of the pastor that I'm called to be. I'm called to be an evangelist and a preacher and a teacher, more than a newsman. I wish I had somebody that could write the news. I'll read it or they can read it. I don't care. And then let me get to God's word because what good is a program like this if all I'm doing is giving you the bad news? There's plenty, you know, you can go to Laura Ingram to get that on TV. You can go to Sean Hannity on the radio, whatever you want to do. Go to Alex Jones. You don't need me to do what they do. You need me to get into this Bible that I've got in my hand right here and look at that news and share with you what God has to say on that particular topic. And we also need to get to the point of understanding we should not be, as it says in Hebrews 10.25, forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some. And if we are so separated, then we have to find ways with technology to keep us connected. I'll be adding some pages in the next week or so to the website to cover that topic. And a few other things that my wife came up with that are very good suggestions. I want to expand this ministry not just to be a news program, but to be a source of hope to a lost and dying world. I want to be a watchman on the wall for what is going on, put it in the light of God's word, but give you the solution, which is knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Now, if you believe in our mission and ministry, can I count on you to support us you can support us from our website truth the number two ponder.com there is a support tab there or you can mail a check made payable to ancient word radio ancient word radio post office box 510 p.o box 510 the city is chilhowie c-h-i-l-h-o-w-i-e chilhowie virginia and the zip code in chilhowie virginia is 24 319. That's 24319. And we'll see you again next week. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.